So folks, uh, this is it. This is it. Today uh, is the last Sunday of 2020. Can you believe it? We, we did it. <laughs> you know, it's been a crazy year and uh, now we say goodbye to 2020 and um, on this last Sunday in 2020, uh, it, what makes this Sunday kind of fun is this Sunday is a communion Sunday. Uh, most of us, we've spent the last week, or if you're more like me, months, uh, feasting and eating all kinds of good things. And today, we're going to continue that feasting, and we're going to come to the table to go ahead and do that. And so, um, if you have your Bible, our scripture reading this morning is uh, one of the most read scriptures probably in all the Bible. It's the story of the last Supper. Um, it's the last meal that Jesus shared with his friends um, before he would go on to the cross. It's kind of an irony, actually. It's Jesus' last meal, and yet at the same time, it became the first communion meal of the church all in one. Um, our scripture reading is found in Matthew 26, starting in verse 17. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open there. I have mine upside down. There we go. Um, go ahead and open there with me. Um, and like we say every single week, uh, if, you, if you don't have your Bible, um, I bet you have a smartphone. Go ahead and use your smartphone and open up. There's something about being able to track along and follow along with God's Word, um, having it in your hands on a uh, day like today. So Matthew 26, starting in verse 17, our scripture reader this morning is John Coney. I'm going to invite John up to read for us. In church, what we do when we read scripture together is we stand and we face the center of the room where the scriptures are read. And the reason we do this uh, week after week after week, year after year after year, is to elevate this book above us. This book is a book that is for us. It is above us. It is the true story of Jesus. So John, when you're ready, starting in verse 17, take it away. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas the one who would betray him said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Thank you, John. You all may take a seat. So uh, to start this morning, I want us to think about an important, a deep, and existential question that all of us might be wrestling with. I mean, that question is, are you full? Are you full? Somebody said that yes, I heard that. Um, I don't know about you, but every year, uh, Thanksgiving kicks off a season of excessive eating for me. I don't know if this is true for you, but it is true for me. That season of excessive eating uh, seems to last all the way through Christmas and end on January 1. You know what I'm talking about. Anyone else in the same boat? Yeah, I know, I, I know you all are. Uh, it seems like the month of December is the month where we just eat and eat and then continue to eat, and then eat some more after that. There is Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, There is all the Christmas parties that we get invited to, that we participate in with our friends and our families. There's the infamous work party, right? The work Christmas party. We got to go to that one as well. All loaded with food and sweets and goodness. And then, I don't know what happens this time of year, but everyone decides they need to start baking, and then they need to give it to everybody else. And the people that receive it feel obligated to eat all of it. I don't know if it's you, but that's me. So I do. And then there's Christmas candy. Oh, Anyone all about those Reese's Christmas trees? Those things are amazing. I can't get enough of them. So it seems that uh, the month of December is the month of excessive feasting and eating and snacking and deserting and whatever other word that ends with ing you want to add there. And it's great. It's glorious. It's a fun season. We get to fill our bellies. It is fun until January 2. And we step on the scale. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Too soon? Too soon? Uh, uh, We're in this season of feasting. Um, But I would argue uh, that the feasting that we've been doing um, has been more than simply feasting on food in this season. Uh, The holiday season is a time of filling ourselves up, right? With food, that's an obvious one. But also with, with family, with friends, with people. Filling ourselves with the traditions Uh, with memorable moments. Uh, One of the traditions in the Austin household is on Christmas night, we go to Chinese at a really bad Chinese place and we fill ourselves full of Chinese food. And yes, we feasted on the crab ragoons and the General Tso's chicken and we filled ourselves up, but we were more than filled from all the other stuff that happens in that moment as well. A great tradition for us. We get to step back into it. It's a filling moment for us. Time spent with our kids together. It's a great moment. Time spent with friends in that moment. It's a great filling moment. It's a filling experience for us. You know, I bet if you looked back at the last month of your life, there's one of those moments where you'd say, oh yeah, that, like that was a filling moment and it didn't have to do with me just filling my belly with food. Like something else happened there. You know, one of the things that's true for all of us and has always been true for all of us, is that all of us deep down have this desire, we have this longing in us, um, in our lives, to, to be filled in our lives, to be filled up in our lives. All of us have that experience. Um, in fact, we have words and phrases in our vocabularies that are reserved to uh, describe just that feeling of wanting to be filled, right? Like, like the phrase, I have arrived is one of those phrases. Like, if I get that promotion 
Or, or, or if I finally get to build that dream house, or we pay that debt off, or if I get to marry that person, or if I get to have that child, then we say, I will finally have arrived in life. What do we mean by that? Well, it's this fullness, right? We're filled up. Or what about the phrase, um, more out of life, more out of life. Like, man, I just want more out of my life. Like I work this boring job and I live this predictable lifestyle and I live in this certain area and man, I just want more out of my life. What do we mean by that when we say we want more? We want, well, we want to be filled, right? Or what about the phrase, if only, that we use? We use the phrase, if only. Like, like if only this thing happened or that thing would have happened in my life. If only that would have happened. Like, if only I would have gotten that promotion, right? Then something would have happened in my life. If, if only I would have found the courage to talk to that one person years ago, then, oh man, if only. Again, that's language of there's something missing, and if only, then I would be filled. I'd be filled up. That's language about feeling empty, or missing something. And we want to be filled. We want to fill that emptiness in us. You know, for the month of December here at TFRC, we've worked our way through a series. We call it Christmas Nostalgia. And we needed that, didn't we? We needed some good old-fashioned Christmas nostalgia. But yet, at the same time, there's a dark side to nostalgia too, isn't there? Like nostalgia is a feeling that takes us away from the present and moves our eyes toward the past, right? Like, isn't that what nostalgia is? Nostalgia is that feeling of wishing we could go back to better days. That feeling of wanting to escape the present um, for some promised reality that would be better way back when, back in the day. I'm nostalgic for my childhood, right? I want to go back to my childhood. Then my life would be satisfied. I would be fulfilled. It's all filling language nostalgia is, isn't it? There's an emptiness. And I wish there was this other thing that would fill that up for me. Now this experience of wanting to be filled in our lives, wanting to feast, wanting to be satisfied in our lives. That is an experience that saturates the pages of this book. It is all through the scriptures. I mean, it literally kicks off with a story about that feeling of, uh, and I want to be filled in my life, right? We have the story of Adam and Eve in the forbidden fruit, right? We know this story. If I could just eat that fruit, then I would be like God. Then I would finally be filled filled, right? I would, oh, I would have arrived. It's filling language. Or the Tower of Babel, again. Or David and Bathsheba, again. All stories of wanting to be filled and satisfied in life and acting in such a way that we hope maybe we might fill that thing that is in us. Now, our scripture reading this morning it's the story of the Last Supper. It's, it's the story of Jesus' final meal before he would head off toward the cross. Um, it's the story that Jesus says we should replay again and again and again in our lives. Do this often, Jesus says. Do this as often as you can. Replay this very moment. Bring yourself and your church family to the table. Um, and as often as you can, come to this table and eat this particular food and drink this particular drink again and again and again. Do it often, Jesus says. You see, Jesus 
wants us to revisit the story again and again and again because Jesus knows something about you and knows something about me. See, Jesus knows what's going on inside of our hearts, right? And he knows that all of us universally have this experience of wanting to be filled. We have a deep hunger and a deep thirst inside all of us, and we want to be filled, and it's not just about the food, right? There is a reason that Jesus chose this moment, right, that we were to do again and again and again as a church, and he surrounded it with food. There's a reason he used food to talk about that moment. Now, most of us, we know this story, don't we? Um, But there's one part of the Last Supper story that we don't talk a whole lot about. Um, We talk about the disciples and Jesus and the Passover meal. We talk about that. At TFRC, we talk about that all the time. We talk about the meaning that Jesus is creating for us in this moment, right? This meaning that leads ultimately to the cross. He references what he's about to accomplish. We talk about that. We talk about the metaphors of the moment. Um, The bread, we say, Well, that's Christ's body broken for us for the forgiveness of sins. It's right in our scripture reading. And the cup, it's a metaphor for the new covenant in Jesus' blood. Like, we know this. We've heard this before. But what we don't talk about in the story is Judas. You guys look excited right now. We don't talk about Judas, do we? Now, if you look, if you open your Bible... And you take a look in Matthew 26 and you take a look at the Last Supper scene. What's really interesting is that smack dab in the center of this story is what? Well, it's Judas. Judas is the center of this communion story. It's really interesting. You know, many of us, when we think about Judas... um, we think about him being as like one of the biggest villains, one of the biggest baddies in the Bible, right? He's the ultimate bad guy. He got what was coming to him. Farewell, Judas. We have no regard for you. Too bad for you, buddy. But what if, as the bread is a metaphor, as, as the cup is a metaphor, well, what, if, what if ultimately Judas is a metaphor in the story as well. You see, Judas is the metaphor, I think at least, for that almighty emptiness that's in us, that deep desire to be filled in our lives, that terrible feeling of never quite being able to attain to fill up that cup all the way. You know, if you fast forward to Matthew chapter 27, um, just a chapter after our scripture reading, there's this moment where Judas reveals his motives for betraying Jesus. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew 27 a second. I'm going to show you something here in the passage. Just starting with verse 1, Matthew 27, verse 1. And listen, you can find Judas' motives in this passage. Just listen. It says, early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned to the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. 
What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas, listen to this. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Now, now the big question here is why did Judas betray Jesus? Like why did that happen? Well, according to Matthew 27, Judas betrayed Jesus for what? Money, dollars and cents, right? For money. The chief priests and the elders paid Judas off to frame Jesus, essentially. Like, that's what happened in the story. Now, why would Judas do that? Why? I mean, think about this. Judas has just spent a significant amount of his life, his time, with Jesus as one of Jesus' disciples, right? Judas was one of the twelve. He was like the inner sanctum. He was one of Jesus' closest friends at the time. They spent all their time together. He was the inner circle guy. He was a friend to Jesus, right? He witnessed all the miracles of Jesus. He saw what Jesus could do. Jesus had literally walked away from his life, his money, his career, all of that to follow this Jesus. He gave everything away for Jesus. And then, why would Judas betray Jesus for money? Like, what is that all about? You see, because at the end of the day for Judas, that feeling inside of wanting to be filled won the day for him. That's why. He bought into the lie, man, like, if I could just have this amount of money, then I would be filled up. My cup would overflow. It would be great, if only, right? And then he got the money, and then, well, what happened? He lived happily ever after, right? Like, that's how the story goes. Well, no. It didn't work for him. He got the money, and then the magic never happened for him. See, there's nothing wrong with longing to be filled in our lives. Like the scriptures never say that that's a bad thing that you long to be filled in your life. However, our attempts at being filled in the wrong places in our lives is a problem. Because it always leads to disappointment and to pain. And if you're Judas, it led to his destruction. It always does if it plays out long enough. So you see, Judas, at least I think, is just another metaphor for us in the story of the Last Supper. And frankly, if we're honest with ourselves, Judas is the metaphor in the story that all of us are like, yeah, like that's me, if we're honest. We all long to be filled, don't we? We all look to be filled in places that ultimately lead to our destruction. I can guarantee there are so many stories in this room and everyone that's online that has stories of wanting to be filled and walking down that path and pursuing it and it leading to destruction. I can guarantee that's true for so many of us in our lives. You might be thinking like, dude, not me though. Like I got away with not that being me, right? But think about it. I mean, even think about Christmas morning as a kid, right? Right? 
As a kid, Christmas morning comes around and you've told your parents again and again and again, you're like, there is this new Nintendo system that I have to get. Like, and if I get it, it's going to be the most amazing thing in the world. My life will be complete. I've got Nintendo, right? And that happens. And so Christmas morning rolls around and you're opening presents and then boom, they hand you the present and then you open it and it's the Nintendo. It's everything that you long for in your life as a child, right? You're like, this is it. We've arrived. We've done it. We're here. And you play that thing all day long and you play it all day the next day. And then like what days or weeks go by, something happens. Dude, there's another new Nintendo system. If I only had that one, like then, oh, life would be fulfilled for me. I would be so filled. My cup would overflow if I had that new Nintendo now, right? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, adults in the room, it's not just your kids. We are masters of this ourselves as well. We do this all the time, maybe just not with that stuff. We do it with our job, right? If I just got that, promoted, that promotion, oh, boom. I've, I've, we've arrived. We've done it. Life is perfect. We did it. If I could just date that person, if I could just marry that person, oh, Man, if that happened, boom, like lights out, my life is complete. It is fulfilled forever. If I could only be friends with those people, if I could only pursue that opportunity and have it all work out, oh man, then finally we would have arrived. If only I could have that experience. If only I could buy a boat, right? If I could just buy a boat it would be amazing. If I could get that side-by-side, like that top-of-the-line one, man, oh, my life would be fulfilled forever. We do this all the time, don't we? All of us do. In fact, for many of us, we do that filling ourselves up thing every single Christmas, don't we? We have this idea, there's this thing called Christmas magic. Oh, Christmas joy, the feeling of Christmas. We have all these phrases where we talk about these things. What do we mean by that? If we could just organize Christmas in such a way, like if the meal could just be this perfect, if the gifts for the kids could just be this perfect and so great, if we could just attend this thing, if we could decorate in this way, if we could just pull off all the things, get all the details of this thing right, then Christmas magic will happen. It happened for you, I'm assuming. Maybe. You know? And maybe we are full, right? Maybe like we just got through Christmas and we're like, dude, we are, like I am so full of food. I've gained 10 pounds. I had to have. I'm so full of people. Maybe I'm like too full on people. I need to take a step back from people maybe. I got all the gifts that I asked for. Like I'm so full on gifts and the giving of gifts. I'm so full I'm so full of the experience. We captured it. The Christmas moment happened. It was a miracle. It was great for our family. And yet at the same time as being so full, we did all the things, we checked all the boxes. They're still buried down in there. It's like, ah, there's an emptiness. There's something missing. Like I want to be filled up. But perhaps, perhaps that's you this morning. And you just want to be filled. Church, you see, the whole point of communion is to get at that experience of wanting to be filled. 
literally the whole purpose of it. Jesus knows our experience of emptiness and of wanting to be filled. Jesus knows how we hunger and we thirst for more out of our lives. And that's precisely why Jesus created this thing called communion for us and said, do it again and again and again. Do it as often as you can do it. See, the table here, the table that Jesus and his disciples um, sat at for the first communion, that table, I think it's a metaphor too in the story. It's the metaphor of true fullness, being truly filled. The, the table is a routine reminder, a regular reminder for us that only one thing is going to fill us at the end of the day. And it's not going to be all the things out there. It's not going to be that. It's going to be the thing there. It's going to be the thing here. That's what's going to ultimately fill us. Where we are full we're filled. Jesus is the only meal that we can have and consume that will fill us eternally. That'll make us whole. Perhaps that's you this morning and you're like, man, like, there's just something missing in me. Like, I don't know what it is. I did all the things, but there's something emptiness in there. Like, I want something. I want to be filled. Like, we're going to come to the table in a moment, and maybe that's your opportunity. Okay, we did all the stuff. Didn't work. Well, maybe, maybe this will, and it will forever. In fact, Jesus promises it, that it will. Today is the last Sunday of 2020. That's a wrap, right? It's over. 2020's done. What if we went out of 2020, we left it overflowing with the Lord? It's been a rough year. What if we left this year just filled to the brim with the Lord? And, and what if, you know, there's something called 2021 coming, and I'm going to guess it's not going to be perfect. I'm just going to guess, okay? What if we entered 2021 filled with the Lord? That that emptiness was gone and Jesus filled it forever. What might that do? So we're going to head to the table, and that's your challenge today. As we come to the table, we take communion this morning. Challenges that God just fill whatever that is in me. Fill me up. Make me full. Make me satisfied by you. That's the opportunity. Let's pray and then we'll go come to the table. Lord, we thank you uh, that you gave us a table that you thought of us and you gave us a moment where we can come again and again and again to this table to be reminded of true fillness, full, being truly filled. God, I pray that as we, as we come to the table, we spend time with you, we remember what the Lord Jesus did, God, that in this next minute or two, that you would fill us up. Fill us with yourself. 
God, perhaps fill us so much so that when we leave this place, that, that you spill out all over this magic valley and people meet you through us because we're so filled up by you and your spirit, God. Lord Jesus, join us in this moment. We ask for that. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let me leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace, church. Amen?